Well, yesterday we learned a little bit about St. Peter and the nature of his, his sin of betrayal. Today I'd like to speak about Judas. Got this scene in the Gospel. It's pretty, it's pretty sinister. A lot of the, uh, the disciples, they had interpreted Jesus' question in such a way that he meant, well, one of you who doesn't intend right now to betray me will betray me, and that really it genuinely scared them, and they said, are you, are you talking about me? Am I going to betray you? Oh, no, I don't want to do that. But unbeknownst to the eleven, there was one of them, Judas, who was fully prepared to and had full knowledge that he was going to betray Christ, and yet he feigns innocence like the rest of them, and he says, oh, is he, is it, are you talking about me? So... Therefore, also, we can conclude that Judas had a full, he, he had a full understanding that Jesus knew what he was up to. And yet, he still had this hard heart, and he decided to go out and to, to betray him nonetheless. Uh, we see it's a terrible sin. This is a heinous sin. Jesus says, you know, that for this man it would have been better that he was not born. So we can, we can, we can imagine the fate of Judas, the eternal fate of Judas and the heinousness of his sin. How did he get to that point though? And I think maybe that's what I want to speak about. Um, certainly when Jesus chose Judas, he didn't, he, he chose the twelve, he didn't choose any goons or clowns. These guys were all worthy, uh, people for the apostle, uh, to be apostles. So, Judas must have been a man of considerable natural talent, loaded with graces, had good intentions three years previous uh, to the Last Supper when he was chosen by Christ. So then how did he go from being a man of, of uh, grace and good intentions to doing something so bad as to betray Jesus in this manner? Well, I think with sin in general, no one wakes up one day and decides to be basically Satan. Okay, we, we sin by degrees, and little by little by little, there's a process of hardening of our heart, and we get further and further away from God's grace, and we resist the movements of grace more and more and more and more, and it's a process that takes place over a span of time. And then we come to the point where we can start to commit uh, very serious sins. And that's what have what, that's what, have, what happened to uh, Judas. Uh, one uh, plausible explanation for his motives, for Judas's motives, is a, as follows. I find it interesting. I find it very plausible. Judas was looking for an earthly Messiah. He wanted Jesus to come and basically take over the Roman Empire and uh, liberate Israel, and there was going to be lots of prosperity and ease and wealth for all the, for all the Jewish people. And so he had a kind of an earthly understanding of the Messiah, and even to a certain extent the other apostles did as well. This is why Peter opposed Jesus' crucifixion, and Jesus had to say, Get behind me, Satan, you are not mindful of the things of God, but of those of men. Even Peter himself was thinking a little bit in terms of you know, earthly categories. And uh, so... When the disciples started to learn that Jesus was going to go to the cross, that he wasn't going to be all glitz and glamour Messiah, but that he was going to go and uh, have to face that uh, apparent uh, failure uh, of the cross, they had to make a decision. Do we still want to follow this guy? 
I guess he's talking about an eternal kingdom and not an earthly one. And they all made the right decision. Judas, on the other hand, became very um, disappointed. He became very disappointed. Jesus did not live up to his expectations. It wasn't exactly what he was looking for. And so then he was able to uh, have such a hard heart that he was to betray him for the, the, the silver. So also with us, I think um, many, many Christians unfortunately fall away from following Christ because they expected, uh, you know, what is it, you know, I get, with, with many um, low church American uh, Protestants, there's something even called the, the prosperity gospel. And it said, you know, you follow Jesus and you're going to have riches and wealth and prosperity uh, in this life. And I think with many Catholics, though, we look for um, not necessarily material wealth from our uh, Christian discipleship, but we look, we look for self-affirmation. We look to come to church to maybe feel good about ourselves and to have feelings, good feelings. And when we don't have good feelings and maybe we're corrected, we turn away from the Lord and we, we stop following and we get disappointed. I don't get anything out of Mass. I don't get these good feelings that you're expecting to find. Uh, so there's something similar going on here in our everyday experience to what's going on with Judas. The, the climax of this process of hardening for Judas comes at the Last Supper. Jesus washes the, the apostles' feet. Great act of humility and love, and he washed Judas' feet. Right to the very end, Jesus loved Judas. Jesus conferred the holy priesthood upon Judas. Jesus, with his own hand, gave holy communion to Judas. Judas received it. Still, all the more had a hard heart and decided to sin against Christ. So also for us, the, the sin of a bad, of an unworthy communion, it's a very serious problem. Uh, if there is anybody that has grave sin on their conscience, they should not receive Holy Communion. If you do, it's, uh, I can guarantee you it's a worse sin than the sin that's on your conscience that should be holding you back uh, from receiving Communion. And there's negative consequences that take place as a result of uh, an unworthy communion. St. Paul warns us in the 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So there are serious negative consequences for an unworthy communion. Uh, the person brings upon themselves, and apparently from what St. Paul is saying, maybe upon the community itself, judgments, temporal judgments. And uh, I think in the case of Judas, it was... Um, it came in the form of an even harder heart. And uh, the devil really had this guy tricked. So after, um, you know, he basically presented uh, to the mind of the heart of Judas his, the sin that he was about to do is bad but not so bad. 
but after he committed it, he realized what he had done. And then, uh, and this is the climax of Judas's sin, he despaired of God's mercy. He despaired of forgiveness. And he went out and he hung himself. Now, Jesus would have been willing to forgive Judas right to the very end if Judas had repented. And the mystics say, and it's a common moral tradition of the church, that there was only one sin worse that Judas committed than his sin of betrayal. And that was his sin of despairing of God's mercy. It was a worse sin. To despair of God's mercy was worse than the sin of betraying him. Judas could have been forgiven, but he resisted God's mercy and said to himself, my sin is too great, I can't be forgiven, God's mercy is not big enough for me. And he, and he, gave, he lost hope. And so for us, my brothers and sisters, by way of negative example, I can leave on a positive note, is that no matter how bad of a sinner I am, no matter how bad of a sinner I am, I could be as bad as Judas. And if I would simply just cast myself into the abyss of God's mercy, he will forgive me.